everyone, and welcome to Better Done Than Perfect, a show for SaaS founders and product people. Today, we have a great guest, Andy Cabasso, co-founder of Postaga, and we're going to talk about outreach emails and cold email. This show is brought to you by Userlist, the best way for SaaS founders to send onboarding emails, segment your users based on events, and see where your customers get stuck in the product. Start your free trial today at userlist.com. Hey, Andy. Hey, Jane. We're very excited to have you today. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me here. I can't wait to ask a thousand questions about cold outreach because we are all miserable when doing it. And there are so many things to get right and so many things you can easily get wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we have a lot to cover. I'm excited to get into it. Tell us about your product first and a little bit about yourself too. Uh, what does Postaga do and how did you arrive there? Sure. So Postaga is an all-in-one email outreach platform that helps you basically with the entire outreach process from finding the right people to connect with to finding their, their email addresses and validating those email addresses and then sending them personalized outreach emails. The typical people who use this are people who are using it for either cold outreach for sales or doing digital PR to get press coverage for your business, to appear on podcasts or get bloggers to write about your apps or businesses, as well as link building to help your content rank better in search and drive more traffic to your website. Uh, that's typically the audience that we have at Postaga. We got into this because, so I have a background in digital marketing myself. I previously started, grew, and then sold an agency and my co-founder and I from our agency, we wanted a more scalable way to do outreach on our clients' behalf. And there were a lot of exist the existing processes for doing outreach, especially for link building, were very disjointed. You need a research tool for finding the right relevant websites. You'd need another tool for finding email addresses. You need another tool for validating the email addresses to make sure that they don't bounce. And you need another tool for sending emails and follow-ups. So we figured let's build it ourselves. And it's been so far a real great hit with link building professionals in particular. How long have it been out there? Postaga has been public for a little over a year now. We launched on Product Hunt in May of 2020. Uh, we ended up being uh, number one for the day and number two for the uh, week when we launched. So yeah, a little over a year that we've been out there, but working on developing it was a, probably about another year. And then we were in beta in starting in January of the year that we launched. Awesome. I'm, I'm asking because I'm curious what discoveries you made about the industry that you didn't know before you started the, the tool of your own. <laughs> well, like I feel like everyone who starts a SaaS business, you think it's going to be so much easier to get your MVP done and get all the features that you want to launch it with. Yeah, working with mail servers and getting like every aspect of the product just right definitely took us a while, but we got a lot of great feedback from our users along the way. In particular, like I talking with our users and seeing how 
what some of their strategies are that are different from mine was my game has been leveling up significantly over the last year in particular. Let's start with the technical side of the outreach. And Mm -hmm. there are a few things that a person should get right before even thinking about strategy or am I wrong? Like, of course, they have to go hand in hand. But uh, what are the technical instruments you need to get right and what mistakes you should be avoiding in that front? Sure. So... One thing that I've seen that can go really wrong, if you if you don't know what you're doing, you might be thinking, all right, so I want to do cold outreach to a bunch of different websites so they can either hopefully like link to my blog articles or maybe pitch them something, or whether it's my business so I can get sales or something like that. But if you do it wrong, you can get end up in a situation where, where your main email address gets blocked and blacklisted and ends up with all of your regular emails going to people's spam folders, which is obviously no good. So one thing in particular I recommend is when you're doing cold outreach that you set aside a, either a like subdomain of your main domain or an alternate domain. So like instead of like me doing cold outreach from Andy at postaga.com, I might do outreach from Andy at m.postaga.com or andy at outreach.postaga.com or andy at postaga.net or .co or something like that so that I can protect my main domain in the event that for any reason, mail servers blacklist me and this like, which would be catastrophic for my, my regular emails going to people's inboxes. So that would be no good. I've seen people who've you know, done it wrong or like just like connected their email address to some platform and then sent out a ton of emails at once that ended up with them getting uh, blacklisted and recovering from that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. There are a lot of different mail servers out there that like have maintained blacklists that people that other mail ap- applications look to and getting yourself off of a blacklist is not easy. And so the first thing I would recommend is for sure you want to set up a like a subdomain or an alternate domain. Yeah, in our software when we set people up, we recommend like we walk you through setting up an alt, like a, a subdomain sending. Aside from that, one thing I'd recommend for cold outreach, I've seen people do this before is don't use like marketing automation software like MailChimp or anything that's really designed for newsletters in particular, because you will get banned from those services because they are not meant to be used in that way. Services like like those are meant for people who opt in, who subscribe to your email list somehow. And if you just sign up for an email marketing service and then add a bunch of email addresses to your list and then send them emails when they get the email and then click that unsubscribe button they're going to tell the provider that they never signed up for this list and then you're going to get booted for violating the terms of service related to that another thing with with your outreach is another reason i wouldn't want to use like a mass sending email platform is because the you're going to want to personalize to some degree, every one of your outreach emails. Anyone who is on the receiving end of outreach pitch, whether it's a company trying to be sold to or a journalist who is try- who, uh, is being reached out to for some pitch, they get pitches every day. And the more popular journalists and websites and businesses get hundreds of pitches. Uh, before we ended up joining the uh, Tiny Seed program, I actually cold outreach to Rob 
from Tiny Seed to pitch him to have to be on a guest on his podcast. And we talked about this later. It ended up not being a good fit, but he had no idea who I was. But later he he told me that he gets pitches all the time and a lot of them are not relevant to him and they're really bad. I'm guessing people also probably pitch you to be a guest on your podcast and they may have no idea like what your podcast is about. Yeah, I run two shows and I am on the receive and, and one of them also has a website like both of them are websites with good domain rating. So mm-hmm. my inbox is hot. <laughs> I'm curious. So how many like pitches do you get like a week or a month or? It's usually a few a day, but they somehow are seasonal. Like sometimes <laughs> I feel like, oh, it's like, it's January. It's uh, it's time to plan the next season. Well, honestly, I do mm-hmm. uh, f- for your breakfast in particular, because I'm a liberal with a guest lineup. I mm-hmm. do accept guests that reach out, but uh, the pitch has got to be human, you know, right. to some degree. At least it shouldn't say, hi, you are breakfast, because I do have a name. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and if you're, yeah, if you're using like a mass sending platform, there's typically little ability to personalize. And so like I, I do a lot of pitches to to podcast to be a, a guest so I can spread the brand of Postaga out there, uh, but also because I use my own software every day. And I make sure that every time I'm reaching out to a podcast that they know that they know that I know who they are and why, and that my pitch to be a guest is going to be relevant to them and their audience. You know, like I've seen a, a lot of bad pitches like, hey, I love your podcast. I'm a huge fan. I would like to be a guest. And it's like, like and you're probably like, you have no idea what my podcast is about. If you're saying you're a fan, tell me something that you know about it, uh, other than maybe my name, if you've figured that out. But anyway, I digress. And, and another, like I said, is kind of relevant. A huge important thing uh, for doing outreach is that it's personalized and relevant for the people that you're reaching out to. There are a variety of use cases and when you'd be doing cold outreach, like we talked about link building, we talked about uh, like reaching out to podcasts and digital PR and also sales. But no matter what, you want to make sure that your outreach is personalized for every individual recipient so that they know that you know who they are and that you are not going to be wasting their time with some completely irrelevant pitch. Let's continue on this point a little later as we were wrapping up the technical side. I'm glad that you mentioned the domains. And um, Hmm. actually, with any software, your email is as good as your domain reputation. Hmm. Like, I honestly didn't, I wasn't as technical about email when we started UserList. And Hmm. now I know that most software do follow best, best practices. And it's if you sign your email with your own domain name, it's it only matters how good your own domain is not what software it has been sent with is it is it correct mm. from your technical experience too oh absolutely so you want yeah you want to make sure that that you're uh, to better ensure that your emails reach people's inboxes and not just get auto filtered out into spam there are some like basics that you're going to want to do that the same thing that if you're setting up your account with like your marketing automation software like user list you're going to want to set up things like like uh, DKIM or DMARC records or something like that to verify that your the email that you're sending from is legit and real and you know other fun things like SPF records and such but all of that helps to tell mail servers that you're that you are who you say you are and it helps 
validate your your email address and where they're coming from. Have we talked about warming up addresses on this call uh, yet? I don't think we did. Uh, that's another good point of something that that uh, to mention is so there are one big difference when doing email from a, a marketing automation platform like UserList or like a cold outreach platform like Postdata is that sending those are like are different types of scenarios sending like newsletter emails or or blasts or drip campaigns and things like that versus like one to one emails sent to individuals so with setting like with doing cold email in particular there i guess there are two components to this one is that um if i were to do a bunch of cold emails from me reaching out to many different podcast, let's say, or many different blogs or many different sales prospects, I'm not going to want to reach out to them all at once. So I'm not going to want to send 50 or 100 or 1000 emails at once, because that's going to look really suspicious to mail servers, because that's going to look like I use some sort of marketing software to do that. And that's going to make it more likely that I end up in a promotional folder or possibly a spam folder, especially because when in a situation where I want to end up in people's primary inbox and I want the email to look like it's was sent by and coming from a specific individual. So one thing that's important is that the software that you're using, whether it's Postaga or anything else, that the emails send in a staggered fashion. So like for example, instead of like instead of doing like a mail merge where you're sending out emails to hundreds of people at once, that the emails go out over time which looks a lot more natural and is going to make it less likely you get flagged as spam. But related to this uh, specifically is email warmup, which you'd mentioned before. With any new sending domain that you have, whether it's you know this alternate domain, this .co, .net, or whatever, or sending with a subdomain, if you have a brand new email account and you are to start sending dozens or hundreds of emails on day one, that's going to look real suspicious to mail servers. They're going to see that, oh, this person wasn't sending emails yesterday, but suddenly today they're sending 100 emails. Tomorrow, they're, like, they're sending all these emails all at once out of nowhere. It's going to look really suspicious. So one way to better ensure that your emails reach inboxes and don't get flagged as spam is warming up your inbox, which basically... What that entails is sending out a few emails a day and then ramping that up over time, making sure that that your emails get received and replied to, and gradually ramping that up from like a few emails a day and over the course of a few weeks, increasing that further. And this email warm-up process better ensures your deliverability to make sure that your email, like that your outreach campaign emails will end up in people's inboxes and not and not bounce or get filtered out. I also heard a common technique is subscribing to some newsletters to mm. ensure that there's some incoming email. Is that good, Boomer? Mm. Yes, I've seen people do that as well, and that can help, yes. Mm -hmm. Are you yeah. positive about subdomains being having individual reputation versus the regular domain? Because the, the new domain thing is definitely... Mm. Mm -hmm. definitely working but how about the subdomain is it not scary to use it i've been doing subdomains for a while uh, over a year and i haven't had any issues with it maybe your outreach is good <laughs> <laughs> i hope so <laughs> now 
when we start discussing content and mm. there's so much bad email in there and especially mm. link building it's particularly horrible um, yeah podcast guest pitches are also pretty bad sometimes but the link building is just downright like no effort on the human mm. side to even think about making it relevant or meaningful it's like mm -hmm. hi i saw you linked to this can you please also link to that and i am i can't imagine a universe where that can work but people still do that why do you think <laughs> it is the case so there are a lot of courses and education out there that advocate for different approaches when it comes to doing link building outreach. One in particular, they call it like the shotgun approach. And basically the goal is reach out to as many people as possible as broad an audience. And hopefully you'll get some replies that'll get you some links and some wins. But over the last few years, as long as people have been doing this, it's been getting more and more crowded. The pitch is not novel. A lot of people are using the the same pitch or nothing, something that's not really personalized because they want to just send out this pitch to just as many people as possible. But on, on the receiving end, you're like, no, I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen this pitch before. And also, I don't like when you see that email, you're like, OK, there is no chance that this website is really relevant, is there? Uh, so I'm not even going to click on that. Uh, so ha like really... And there, there, there is there are easy ways to fix this, which is really just being clever and standing out in your pitch. Like I could have the same substance as someone else in my link building outreach pitch, which is you have a really good article. I want I have an article that's relevant. Please link to my article. Like that's the core of what you're asking for with link building often, but there is a way that you could stand out from everyone else and not have but and that's by just not having the same tired pitch so like for example there, there's one person i like uh, his name is uh, john buchan who has this this approach called the charm offensive and basically the thesis behind it is you want to be funny or and disarming in your pitch <laughs> so like he achieved somewhat notoriety for having like a cold pitch, cold sales pitch that like included a picture of his dog. Like, hey, here's a like, here's a picture of my dog. And like he like and it just like it's like, what what is this? What kind of cold pitch is this? It, it's it's very different. And if you can make someone laugh or like like do a double take, they're going to keep engaging with and reading the email that you sent them because it's just not it's not bland and it, if you can yeah if you can make someone laugh at the get-go then great so with my like link building pitches i really try and uh e even if i'm like sending a similar pitch to dozens or hundreds or thousands of people i still want to make my pitches unique and hopefully make people laugh so that i i come off as human and that it makes them want to engage with me i will give away what i've been what i've been doing in particular so, for example, in my in my pitch email, if I cannot find a person's name, like if I if the only contact I have at a given website is info at or contact at, I'm still going to want to try and reach out to them, even if I don't have like the specific person's name or, or email address, because uh, there just are going to be a, a lot of situations where info at is the only one that you can find. So. 
I will say something to the effect of, hey, uh, I'm not sure if I'm reaching the right person. I've been told that this email is managed by several cats stacked on top of each other in a trench coat disguised as a human. Please let me know if this reaches a real person. And it, you know, it's dumb. <laughs> it's like, all right, that's silly. But it gets replies and uh, people like, will reply to it being like, <laughs> yes, this is this is a real human. In fact, sometimes people will get sassy with me, but like it starts and builds a relationship. And really, at the core of all of all of cold outreach, whether it's for link building or digital PR or for sales, it's all about starting and building a relationship with this other website. And if no, if this person you're reaching out to doesn't know who you are, and you're this random person on the internet, it's a lot better to come off as human. <laughs> and unique as opposed to the millions of cold emailers out there who are saying the same things over and over again. My personal favorite rule is keep it as short as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why people like to send things that are like two pages long. And I, I wonder, like, have they even yeah. looked at their wall of text? Really? Right, Because they're like, oh, this is all so good. I want and you include all of this. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing like I try and do is like the first email, I may not necessarily even have like an ask. It's to start a conversation and keep it going from there. Especially if I'm doing like sales outreach. If if I'm doing sales outreach, I don't want to in my first email be like, hey person, I have this solution for you. Here it is and here's what it does. Can I jump on a call and and waste your and like waste your time? Can I bother you to take time out of your day to show you how my software works? And that's not good copywriting, right? Usually what I'll do in an initial email for sales outreach in particular is like, hey, do you have this problem? I might have a solution that can help with that. If so, uh, let me know what you think. And then like that can pique someone's curiosity. Like, yeah, what do you have in mind? Or if they've seen my like email signature, they'll, they'll click that link and be like, hey, thanks for reaching out. This is actually a problem that I do have. I'm curious to learn more about your product, your software. And me not going for that ask in the very first email to be like, here is what we do. Can I, can I take time out of your day? Yeah, it gets a better result. I have a, an opposite opinion yeah. on that one as, as, mm. as the receiving party, because uh, the person who's creeping into my inbox and not telling why, like we all know there is gotta be, there's gotta be something. Why? Like, why don't they tell me mm. right away? Well, so, yeah. So, well, I guess I don't, I don't want to be like, like so random that it's like, is this person going to steal my identity? Like, like I'm, well, I, no, I don't trust it. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, uh, I don't, yeah, I want to, I, I don't want to come across like you don't want to trick someone or anything like that because I'm sure like I've, you've probably gotten random cold pitches on LinkedIn as well. And that's probably like, the biggest, I felt like ground for where that happens is like people will say like, Oh, Hey, I saw your profile. I wanted to connect. And then we connect and then it's like, great. Thanks for connecting. Here is my uh, outsourced web development services that, that you might need. Let me know what you think. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't want to do like that kind of approach either. Do you have best practices for how to better um, structure the follow-up cadence? Like mm. in order not to come off as a, um, robot <laughs> the, the, the thing gives you another uh, bubbling up thread every day that definitely doesn't look natural but what's the cadence yeah so typically what 
I found and I saw that like research has shown that well, it is important to have follow-up emails because many people will not reply to your very first email. So what I try to do is I have to, I try to typically have a cadence of between three to five emails and they are typically set apart like between like between four to six days between each email, uh, depending. And the, the very first follow-up email that I'll send is just like a simple one or two lines of, hey, just wanted to follow up on my last email and see what you thought. Just pretty simple. And that's the kind of email that I would send for my own personal email if I was following up with someone that I had a question for that I was having a conversation with. And um, that gets just a, that gets a decent response rate. And I found that like, I don't want to reiterate what I've said in the previous first email, because if they open and look at my reply email, they see the thread of our conversation and they see below that my first email that has all of the details and, and relevant information. So yeah, as far as like a second email that I send, it'll be pretty simple. And then like, a third or a final email would be like, Hey, just like, it might be, it might be a pivot, like, or it might be like reiterating to some degree, the contents of like my first email, like, Hey, just wanted to, I hadn't heard back. So I wanted to reach out one last time. Here's what I'm thinking. Let me know what you think. I've heard an episode of uh, startups uh, for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. I totally do not remember the name of the guest, but we'll <laughs> dig out the episode. They have a framework for cold email that in each follow-up you include another tidbit of useful information so mm. basically the the idea is that your first email is not that important at all and what matters is those little tidbits and how you sprinkle them over time in the follow-up emails because if you are addressing a painful problem which is key in every business anyway sure um then it, it's gonna it's gonna land but honestly i've never been able to make cold email truly work for sales? And of course, that depends on mm. the product. Yeah, I, cold email for sales is, it's tough. It, <laughs> it definitely is. I've, over the last year and change, I've done a lot of iterations. And like, I, I remember very clearly when I created my, my first pitch, I thought, all right, this has all the information that I want to convey. This should be great, right? And I got like, uh, less than 1% response rate, which is like worse than average. And I'm like, okay, so I did something wrong there. I have no idea what I did wrong, but I did something wrong. So now we're going to try different variants. We're going to try different cadences with follow-ups. I'm going to work on the follow-ups. Yeah, I invested a, a lot of time like doing A-B testing with different types of emails, different content, different subject lines, and also with the audiences that I was prospecting as well. But yeah, it, it's definitely a project, especially because there are a lot of people out there that say cold email is a great opportunity for small businesses and SaaSes to get new customers. And I think it can be, but you have to, yeah, it, it's, it's not the, it doesn't happen automatically. It also strongly depends on the business type and oh, the audience sure. type, like for sure. And if it hasn't worked for you in your previous product, maybe it might this time, you never know. So still mm. worth trying. I'm glad that you mentioned industry averages. And as someone who mm. runs a tool, do you collect any, of course, anonymized stats on what the typical response rate, open rate looks like for mm -hmm. an outreach sequence? 
Yes. So for for what we've seen, like the overall averages for outreach emails, and like it differs widely uh, across our, our platform, across different types of outreach campaigns. And like, like yeah, so like, for example, like, uh, I'm going to tell your audience this, my podcast outreach campaigns in particular have are by far the best performing. I personally get like a 20% response rate from me pitching different podcasters. I know one person who gets a 35% response rate from pitching podcasters. That's definitely not what you, I think, would hope to expect for anything like link outreach or sales outreach. The numbers there are closer to like between two to 5% in terms of response rates. Yeah. For podcasting, it also matters who's sending the email, because uh, Mm. if you pitch yourself to be a guest, then most likely you do have a good reputation online. For example, I know when I decide to do some some of that, what we do with Benedict, we pitch each other. And I think that yeah. works best because we're both have nice titles. We're both co-founders and uh, mm-hmm. we're not like specific hired marketing people or I really hate third party agencies who do that. Uh, That's a special flavor of evil. But yeah, we, we do that. And it says in, in, in the signature who we are and that we are earnest human beings and uh, like mm-hmm. they can Google us and take a look at our site or and and that that combined with a human pitch really yields good results so i i am curious like you mentioned that you get pitched by agencies and third parties and there's yeah those are especially troublesome i'm curious what that has been like for you and, and like why first because i run two shows i often get mm-hmm. the same pitch in both shows and then i guess get the same pitch about from the same person about different guests <laughs> at a similar time and lately i've been added to an email list that says like instead of pitching you like occasionally we decided to put you on a weekly roll up of guests that you can browse <sighs> and select the best and i'm like really <laughs> amazing <laughs> that's new oh wow all right that that's definitely something i have not heard of that move before but uh, that's that's really fresh. That was like two weeks ago. I have a special. So coming from the email industry, I have a special feeling for people who subscribe me to their lists um, mm. after we exchange a cold email conversation or yeah. after I do something absolutely random with them. And they just assume that I would like to receive news about their company from now on. That's not relevant. I hate that in particular. We don't have, so with PostDoc software, we don't have any mechanism for that. And I would absolutely not recommend that anyone do that, where if someone replies to your email, that you then automatically add them to your marketing newsletter or something like that, because they're going to hate it because they didn't opt in and they didn't opt into your, they didn't opt into that and they didn't kind of opt into the conversation to begin with. You reached out to them and they were nice enough to respond to you. And don't take that for granted and then automatically send them updates on your product or anything like that. This industry, really, they're such a spectrum of um, education level. Like, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I also hate it when some of, I don't know, let's say relatives will say like, oh, this is all spam that I'm getting. But in mm-hmm. fact, these are like somewhat legitimate, you know, newsletters from 
possibly like retailers and stuff. And right. this, uh, they just don't have the concept of, you know, um, what a subscription looks like. And then we can subscribe and subscribe, we get consent, opt-in and other things like that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's definitely a different situation when you've bought something from a company and then they automatically add you to your list, the list and everything like that. Or it's quite another thing when you have a distant cousin with the a first name that has the same first initial as you. And then whenever he goes anywhere, he gives people your personal email address and then subscribes you to other people's newsletters and gives them your email address. Have you been not that, subject to that? <laughs> oh, that's just me then. Because there's a certain person with my last name who I don't really know personally, who's been giving a lot of car dealerships my personal email address. And I do, not, I do not care for it. <laughs> Unsubscribing from those has taken a lot of hours out of my life. I wonder, <laughs> as, a, as a tool author, mm-hmm. how do you handle tracking for the follow-ups and uh, whether it's a painful technical problem doesn't directly relate to you know sending this but i'm curious whether mm-hmm. that's been a technical challenge that has not been a technical challenge for me since i am a non-technical person <laughs> my my co-founder is a lot more skilled than i am i am not allowed to touch anything code related which is for the best so that would be a great question for him <laughs> How about subject lines and mm. things like that? We talked about email length. Yeah. Um, then each email should have a call to action, next steps. Maybe you can elaborate on that and also on the subject line. Sure. So subject lines, I typically shorter is better. Also, if you can inject some personalization, that ends up being better too. So like, for example, one of my go-to subject lines is like quick question followed by like a question mark or a question, something like that. That kind of subject line encourages some curiosity on the recipient's part. Like, oh, what's this question they got? Some like long subject line that is like very drawn out that goes into like detail or something like that, that, that like the person like reading it is like, or like, there may be an assumption that if you are sending them like a link building pitch, that your pitch is going to be irrelevant because a majority of them are. And so you have to really stand out from uh, all of the bad pitches out there. And so you don't want the person who receives your email to think, oh, it, it, I see that subject line. That's another generic pitch. I'm going to delete that right away. So we want to get the person to open the email, but not trick them. Because if you do that, the your, the trust is gone and they will Uh, Even if the email is going to be relevant for them, if you mislead, they're going to just delete it and not respond. Like one thing that I personally do not care for that I've seen some people do is they're very, they'll do a, they'll send cold outreach emails with the subject line being RE colon followed by something, even though it's the first email. And it's like, uh, like if, if you open that email and then you see, oh, we've never had a conversation before. This is the first email. You got me. That's not a great way to start a relationship. There's this delicate balance between uh, being honest that this is a cold email, not saying that it was sent from my iPhone and other (laughs) old, old, dirty tricks like that. So being both sort of 
admitting that, yes, this is cold email mentally, uh, but also injecting enough personality in it that it is very relevant. And uh, right. I'm curious whether you have like a gallery of great emails, uh, whether you like collect that from experts or people who have been successful. That is, I have a, a bunch of them personally that, that I, I've saved and I've implemented. I should look into making that some sort of piece of like lead magnet downloadable content. In our Postaga platform, we do have email sequences and templates ready to go that people can use. So if you have no idea what to send to someone when you're pitching them to have you as a guest on a podcast or, or pitch them like a link building angle or something like that, you're not starting from scratch and having to figure it out yourself. But there, uh, I recently like have, I've been, you know, more recently collect, collecting my, my favorite pitches and I'm working on a better resource. That's a great idea. And uh, we also tested several lead magnets uh, at Uselist a few months ago. Mm. And the templates one was the winner mm. compared to others. So people, people do love, love templates. templates. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom today. As we're wrapping up, is there a final piece of advice, one do and one don't for our listeners who want to do better cold email? Yes. So the one thing that I tell everybody, whether they have experience with this or not, cold outreach is very much a numbers game. So certain types of outreach may get you a response rate of two to 5%, let's say. So that means that you might need to send a hundred emails to get between two to five responses. And so you might be, you might, if you send 10 or 20 emails, you might get no responses and you might think, all right, well, this can't work for me. And you might get discouraged. Um, I'd say hang in there. Um, it, yeah, it's very much a numbers game. And so if you're sending out a lot of emails, hundreds of emails, let's say, and you're not getting any good responses, then maybe you might want to change up your your pitch and try and test out different things. But uh, yeah, I think the the, the mo most important thing I could say is uh, to to keep with it. And one don't. We've had so many don'ts. One don't just, uh, in this uh, conversation. The, one the more. Big, the, the big don't is don't send outreach emails from your main email that you use for everyday correspondence. Okay. Good, good word of warning. Where can people find you personally and your mm. product online? Sure. So my name is Andy Cabasso. I am pretty available on the internet. I don't think there are any more of me. On Twitter, I'm at Andy Cabasso. On Facebook, Andy Cabasso. On LinkedIn, Andrew Cabasso. Uh, maybe it sounds more professional. I don't know. My website is postaga.com. That's P-O-S-T-A-G-A.com. And if you want to check out Postaga for doing cold outreach, whether it's for building links to help your content rank better and drive more traffic, or to do digital PR and get blogs and websites to cover your business or your app, or be a guest on podcasts, or to do cold outreach for sales and find new customers, I have a coupon code that is uh, BDTP50, that's BDTP50, which will give, give you 50% off for the first uh, three months. Amazing. Thanks so much, Andy, for joining us today and uh, wishing you great response rates on your emails. <laughs> Thanks so much. You too.